Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman founder of the DrScore.com doctor rating website. We're discussing a fascinating area today, how culture affects our healthcare, in particular, things about patients' beliefs that affect the care they get. We'll also explore a little bit about the role of pharmacists in helping us get better medical care. Our guest today is Dr. Nathaniel Rickles, Assistant Professor of Pharmacy Practice and Administration in the School of Pharmacy at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. He's lead editor of the book, Social and Behavioral Aspects of Pharmaceutical Care. Dr. Rickles, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on the call. The title of your book, Social and Behavioral Aspects of Pharmaceutical Care, sounds fascinating to me. Um, Tell me a little bit about it. Well, there's many aspects. Obviously, it's the, you know, the patient's beliefs, the patient's perceptions of drug therapy and treatment. Uh, it's really a field that comes from a rich literature in medical sociology and health psychology that's really looked at the, the patient from a variety of perspectives, not just you know, the, the clinical perspective. How do patients' beliefs matter? Oh, the patient's beliefs matter a great deal. In fact, it's in one study that I did uh, several years ago, I actually found that patients' beliefs were probably the single most uh, important predictor to whether they take their medications as prescribed. So beliefs really do drive patients' willingness to, to engage in treatment. What kind of beliefs do patients have that affect their use of their medicines? Well, let me give you a case example with antidepressants since I'm a psychiatric pharmacist in, in, in uh, my clinical practice. And with antidepressants, for example, a lot of patients think that they could become addicted to the medication. So that kind of belief may uh, affect their wanting to continue it long term. Fortunately, they always tell their doctors about these beliefs so that the doctor can take these issues into account, I imagine. Well, you would hope so, and I'd like to think so. Okay, I'm, but I admit, I was being a little facetious when I said that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, unfortunately, it's, it's, you know, uh, clinicians are super busy, uh, all types of providers, and the idea of actually capturing this information systematically and consistently, it's just not there, and I think all of us would, would openly admit that, yeah. <laughs> As a dermatologist, I... Um I don't treat many people with antidepressants, and addiction is almost not a worry at all for me for the medications. But now that you mention it, it wouldn't surprise me if patients are afraid they might get addicted to their antibiotic treatment of their acne or who knows what. 
Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I'll give you a, a belief that might actually affect your practice is the patient's belief that they're going to end up with, uh, and, and it's maybe not even so much a belief, but a, po- a real possibility about um, GI, uh, permanent GI problems from chronic antibiotic use. So, you know, these are, you know, significant concerns that patients have um, and also related to side effects and, um, and costs of medications, a whole host of psychosocial issues that can affect whether a, a patient is willing to engage in, in uh, therapy. Now, when you say beliefs, are you talking about beliefs or are you talking about misbeliefs? Well, that's a great question, actually. I think we're talking both. I think we're talking about, I mean, clearly the positive beliefs uh, in my, my project, in my study, I found that, you know, the positive beliefs about uh, taking medication or the correct beliefs were, were predictive of adherence. Uh, certainly um, the corollary of that is, is that the misbeliefs are associated with non-adherence. You've mentioned adherence several times. Exactly for our audience, what does that refer to? Well, the old term was compliance, and, you know, that was the, the, the model of the patient uh, sort of blindly following whatever the doctor uh, recommended. Uh, now the concept of adherence, and there's even more uh, politically uh, charged terms, but basically adherence being um, the idea that the patient can a- actively chooses to take a medication. So there's, a, there's engagement there. Are you suggesting that patients aren't taking their medicines? Yeah, well, it's a huge problem. Actually, the latest numbers from the New England Health Institute uh, is that it's a $290 billion problem. And the, the, What's a $290 billion problem? Non-adherence, that patients aren't taking their medications or they're, they're, they're following their treatments as prescribed. And it's causing hospitalizations, it's causing uh, uh, all kinds of disabilities and, and, and poor treatment outcomes, and all of that wraps up into a very heavy cost for, uh, for, the, for the nation. And why aren't people taking the medications? Is, well, is primarily these belief issues? Well, no, I wouldn't say be- the beliefs are the only piece. Certainly it's knowledge of the medication and, and knowing what to, how to properly take it, um, how long to take it for, and so forth. But I think we're, so it's knowledge, it's belief. There are uh, motivational components that there's, you know, just I don't see the need for it. Uh, and then there's also the costs and the access to medicines and getting to the pharmacy or whatnot. Now, some of these issues are are being alleviated by mail-order pharmacy and deliveries and so forth, but there's still a lot of access issues out there and just uh, uh, knowledge and belief issues. My understanding was that the number one cause of patients not taking their medicine had nothing to do with any of those things. It was just that they forgot. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So forgetting, obviously, is a key one, and I'm glad you brought that up to to kind of bring that forward. And it is the most common reason why a number of people, you know, forget to take their, you know, that they don't take their medication. However, I I think we're realizing that that may be a little short-sighted and that it's not the only reason, and there's a, a whole bucket of other reasons why someone may not take it as prescribed. It's all towards this concept of patient-centered health care, you know, the idea of 
making sure that we understand fully what it is that is driving the patient's behavior. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned patient-centered healthcare because my next question was going to be, what role is patient decision-making involved in all this? Well, it's, I personally, I think it's a huge role, and I think that uh, it's becoming more and more an important role since, you know, the 70s and 80s when, you know, consumers had greater access through the Internet and through uh, various media to actually find out what is wrong with them, how, what are the best treatments. Our consumers are so much more knowledgeable now, and so they're, they're so much more engaged. They're asking their prescribers, their all types of providers, really sophisticated questions. So I think patients are really wanting to be more involved in the treatment decision-making, and there's a number of agendas that patients have when they come to meetings that if not... Um, you know, if the patient isn't given an opportunity to express them, it's a lost opportunity for the healthcare team. And, and when you say that they don't have this opportunity, are you talking about with their physician? Yeah, with their physician. I mean, you know, still the physician prescriber is is, is really a key uh, person for the patient to to have that uh, initial conversation and 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 follow up conversation about their their illness, their treatment. Certainly on the medication side, it's important to be engaging in the pharmacist, engaging the pharmacist. And sadly, we find a lot of patients don't want to engage their pharmacist because they either look busy or they, you know, they just want to get in and out of the pharmacy and they don't, or they think the pharmacist really doesn't want to counsel them. It's just a matter of politeness. There's all kinds of reasons. And so there's, there's just, unfortunately, there's a lot of disengagement both from the patient's perspective and from the provider's perspective. I wonder how much of this is fostered by the variability among patients. While there certainly seems to be a growing group of patients who are more interested in taking a greater role in in decision-making, I think there's still a large cadre of patients who really don't feel they know medicine and want the doctor to give them the best advice and just tell them what to do. Yeah, no, there it's true, and you will have your your followers, and those folks are you know the, the people who are very obedient, and you know this is what they want to do, uh, you know they want to follow the doctor. Um, but I think for the most part, at least uh, for the average American, there I think there is a genuine desire to say, you know what, I really don't want to deal with those side effects. I really don't want to get that weight gain, or you know. Um, or with, let's say, you know, in uh, with uh, acne medication, run that risk of, of potential blindness or whatnot, you know. So, I think um, there's there's just I think there's much more conversation desired and wanting to ha- have happen in the in practice. Patients' perceptions do play a big role in medical care, and more and more patients are becoming more. In- involved in the decision-making process. They need reliable sources of information. They need help and support. One of the ways they can get that support is from their pharmacist. We're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Rickles next week, and we're going to focus on pharmacist-patient relationships and other aspects of the role of pharmacists in our healthcare system. I hope you've enjoyed today's program and will join us when we have Dr. Rickles back. 
Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.